Welcome to Shifting Sands, Reshaping Charitable Foundations, a podcast from Horn Healthcare. How can we help healthcare nonprofits through 2020 year-end giving? What are the limits and what are the best vehicles for charitable gifts? Hi, I'm Barry Plunkett with Horn, and today on Shifting Sands, our guest is Kathy Watts, partner in charge of Horn Healthcare. Recently named to the most powerful women in accounting list by the American Institute of CPAs and CPA Practice Advisor, Kathy is a sought after financial consultant and strategist for physicians and medical practices. Licensed in both Mississippi and Tennessee, she provides tax, outsourced accounting and CFO services, benchmarking, strategic planning and decision support for hundreds of physicians and practice administrators across the Southeast. She is the past chair of West Tennessee Healthcare Foundation and joins us from her office in Jackson, Tennessee. Kathy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Barry, for having me today. I'm glad to be here and hope can shed some insights into kind of the recent tax laws changes that as it affects charitable giving. So Kathy, what is new with regards to tax laws and statutes that's affecting charitable giving in 2020? Well, there's three things that kind of affect the tax law changes as far as charitable giving in 2020. First, the CARES Act allows taxpayers who do not itemize deductions to deduct charitable giving, and that's a first. It's $300 of qualified charitable contributions as an adjustment in determining adjusted gross income or as we like to say, above the line adjustment. Amounts exceeding that $300 limit may not be carried forward, however. And charitable contribution itemized deduction carry forwards from previous years cannot be used for that above the line deduction. And remember, these are for individuals or or couples that are filing that do not itemize. The tax deduction is per return, not per person and only cash contributions such as cash, check, electronic funds transfer, payroll deductions are allowable for that deduction. You can't take anything for goods or services. And as always, you must keep record or receipt of the donation. You need this to be able to substantiate in case you're asked questions later. They must be made to a public charity, not supporting organizations or donor advice funds. And in general, a a contribution to a charitable remainder trust does not qualify as a contribution for this uh, $300 above the line deduction for those who do not itemize. Secondly, the CARES Act temporarily suspended the limits on charitable contributions for taxpayers who are itemizing. So the first one I was talking about is if you don't itemize, generally if you don't itemize in years past, you couldn't take a charitable contribution deduction. So they're allowing you that $300 if you don't itemize. And if you do itemize, now you don't have a limit. Um, The limit has been suspended. So those that qualify can deduct qualified contributions of up to 100% of adjusted gross income, where it used to be 60%. Corporations can deduct qualified contributions of up to 25% of its taxable income. And the qualified contributions must be made in cash directly to a qualifying organization no supporting organization, donor advised fund, or private foundation during the 2020 calendar year. Non-cash contributions do not qualify for the limit suspension rules. 
but still can be itemized subject to normal limits. And contributions exceeding the limitations can be carried forward up to five years. Then thirdly, there's a special rule allowing enhanced deduction by businesses for contributions of food inventory for the care of the ill, needy, or infants. The amount of charitable contributions of food inventory by a business taxpayer can deduct under his, this rule is limited to a percentage, generally 15%, of the taxpayer's aggregate net income or taxable income. For contributions of food inventory in 2020, business taxpayers may deduct qualified contributions up to 25% of their taxable income. So those are the three buckets of changes to the charitable giving in 2020 is if you don't itemize, you can take $300 above the line, which is better, you know, which is a little bit more direct impact um, to reducing your taxable income, but it has to be cash. It can't be some of these non-cash or these other vehicles. And then for those that do itemize, you aren't limited to 60% of your adjusted gross income. You can deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income and corporations can deduct more too. They're not limited they're limited at 25% of their taxable income. And then there's a special rule allowing businesses to deduct contributions for certain food inventory under certain situations. Wow, that's a significant change from what it has been. But on, I realize that there's, you can give up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. Is there a dollar amount involved for 2020? Well, it depends on your adjusted gross income. So if your adjusted gross income was $75,000 and your charitable contributions, cash charitable contributions, not the stock or the, the clothes and household goods, but your cash contributions were um, $100,000, then you could deduct 75 of the 100 and you would carry the $25,000 that you weren't able to deduct for to next year. Okay. And do we know how far or how far in the future that carryover is going to exist? Or do we know that yet? Yes, the way I understand it, that carry forward is going to be up to five years. I got you. And explain how that works. So the next year, when you have a carry forward, you'll take into account your current year giving and then um, look at the limitation. And if you've got room to deduct more, then you take the carry forward into account. So in the next year, if you have adjusted gross income of $75,000 again, and it mm -hmm. goes down to 60%, um, you can use a carry forward and your current year giving to get up to that, that limit limitation. Well, it's certainly more lenient than it has been. Yeah, no, that's good. It and is. people's adjusted gross incomes could be lower in 2022. So I think it was a good thing for them to um, ease up on that, um, that limitation to allow more charitable giving because as luck would have it, most people do like the benefit of being able to deduct their charitable contributions. And that does, you know, does um, help people give more when they know they can deduct it. Sure, and this is certainly a year when charitable not-for-profits can certainly use more deductions. And I think people, I mean, more contributions. And I think people have been hesitant to give as much this year. So this may open up the doors a bit. Absolutely. Healthcare organizations have really been hit hard in 2020. And if a person wanted to direct charitable giving to a healthcare organization, what do they need to know about the tax exempt status? 
Well, a nonprofit healthcare organization must be a 501c3 organization with the IRS in order to be tax exempt. And payments made to a hospital that are for a specific patient's care or for services for a specific patient are not deductible as a charitable contribution. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Every financial decision has wealth and tax implications. At Horn Wealth Strategies, we integrate tax, tax planning, investment, insurance, retirement, and estate planning to help you see the bigger picture. When it comes to making big decisions, Horn Wealth Strategies is here to help. Find us online at hornllp.com. What are the advantage of giving to a donor advised fund versus giving to an organization directly? Well, I have a lot of clients that do take advantage of giving to a donor advice fund. Um, some of the advantages of giving to a donor advice fund is if at your end you've determined that you want to give X number of dollars and you're not sure exactly who all you want that to go to, you can write one check to a donor advice fund and take the deduction. And then in future years, you can work with that um, organization or foundation that you gave that accepted the donor advice fund on how to distribute that money to certain charities that you prefer. Now, in this situation with this change in the uh, limits of giving, the, um, this goes back to the, the limits that we had prior to the new tax law. If you go through a donor advice fund, you get deductions for cash up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. One thing that's extremely popular and a good tax planning tool is if you have securities or other appreciated assets, um, those are great things to, to do as a charitable donation because you don't have to pay tax on any gain or appreciation. You don't have to pay capital gains tax and you get a deduction at 100% of their fair market value, but you are limited in those situations to 30% of adjusted gross income. And there's a five-year carry forward for anything that you might not be able to benefit in the current year. And as I said, no capital gains tax on those gifts of appreciated assets. Uh, donor advice funds are not subject to estate taxes. So donor advice funds are used also to reduce estate taxes. And investments in a donor advice fund appreciate tax-free. So those are some advantages of giving to a donor advice fund. And so you may ask the question, what are the advantages of giving to the organization directly? And we have, we have many clients that do both or one or the other. But giving directly to the organization is the only way to benefit from the 2020 charitable giving tax law changes that we talked about before, where you can give up to 100% of your adjusted gross income. And contributions to a donor advice fund do not qualify for the above the line $300 contribution deduction. Um, so those are some things that you need to take into account as you plan for charitable giving between now and year end. A lot of people do a lot of giving in November and December. And so knowing these rules will help you decide which way is best for your individual situation. Kathy, how does one find or select the appropriate donor advice fund? You have to go through um, a charitable organization. A lot of community foundations offer donor advice funds and you'll have to talk to um, that foundation and fill out some paperwork and set up um, a fund there. And they will, they will be the ones receiving the gift. 
and you technically, you know, lose control of that gift. Um, but most foundations will try to, um, to, to go with your preferred charitable organizations that you want to receive that in future years. I got you. All right, so what are some of the other vehicles for giving in 2020 other than these uh, two? Okay, um, there's charitable remainder trust and there's endowments and some of these get a little bit complicated. So if you're interested in setting up an endowment or a charitable remainder trust, I highly encourage you to talk to your tax professional and or an attorney and make sure you do these exactly right. But a charitable remainder trust in simple terms, is a tax-exempt irrevocable trust. I want to emphasize irrevocable. So once you put the money in there, you can't take it back. In which beneficiaries of the trust receive the income for a specific period of time. And after which the remainder of the trust is donated to a designated charity. And then uh, charitable remainder trusts allow the grantors to make partially tax-deductible donations and generate income and ultimately meet their philanthropic goals over time. Um, charitable remainder trusts are tax exempt. Donating low basis assets may be considered so that when the appreciated assets are sold later, no income tax or capital gains tax is generated from the sale. Endowments, however, um, are created by nonprofit organizations that are generally tax exempt. Donations contributed to endowment fund are tax deductible for the individuals offering the donation. Um, accrued dividends, capital gains, and interest on the underlying assets of the endowment are taxable unless the benefiting party is a tax-exempt organization. And generally, the endowment is designated to maintain the principal. So usually, you're only using the accrued dividends or capital gains to fund the charitable operations. I think of endowments as gifts that last forever. Um, you, give, you give a set amount of money and you may add to that endowment over time. You could give some each year and you've designated that endowment. It can be um, designated for various charitable uh, purposes and the interest in um, dividends and capital gains that it earns each year is what is giving to the benefiting organization that you designated. But they're a great way um, foundations do like endowments because it, it allows for a lot of charitable giving and it preserves the principle um, to, to be the vehicle to earn the income. There's also, there's also something called a quali qualified charitable distribution of IRA assets. And whether you're itemizing or claiming the standard deduction, Individuals ages 70 and a half and older can direct up to $100,000 per year tax-free from their IRAs to operate charities through the qualified um, deduction. By reducing the IRA balance, a qualified charitable deduction may also reduce the donor's taxable income in future years, lower the donor's taxable estate, and limit the IRA beneficiary's tax liability. So instead of receiving that qualified minimum distribution that's taxable to you that you may have to take out each year once you reach that age, you can direct that uh, up to $100,000 of that to be given directly to a church or a nonprofit, and you don't have to pay tax on it. You don't get to deduct it over on your itemized deduction, but it's not taxable to you, and which is really 
a better way to um, minimize your tax liability. You can use a charitable deduction to help offset the tax liability of a retirement account withdrawal. And those over 59 and a half who take withdrawals from retirement plans in 2020 may use deductions for their charitable donations to help offset income tax liability on the withdrawals. So those are some different ways in order to, um, to, give, to give charitably. It can be a little complicated if you're not in the know as you are. And I guess that's why we have people like you, Kathy, helping us figure out how is the best way to preserve and share one's wealth and at the same time make a difference for so many of these charitable foundations. And, and Barry, I think the most important thing through this is there have been some changes that are, you know, important to know about and you might want to take advantage of, but it goes back to overall tax planning and estate planning. Some of these come into the estate planning um, world as well. So as you have excess money or you want to fund certain charities or you have philanthropic uh, needs that you want to accomplish over the next few years, I really encourage you to sit down and talk to your tax professional, your investment advisor, or your attorney, or all three. It's good to have all three on the same page and really plan out what's the best way to accomplish my philanthropic goals as well as minimize taxes in the process. Makes good sense. Kathy, we have come to the end of our time today. Is there anything else you would want to share with our listeners? I just would say stay tuned. You know, I think a lot of things will be changing in the tax world over the next few months. Um, I always give the caveat, this is based on the information that we know right now. Uh, so stay tuned because things could change. Um, I just encourage you to be talking to your your tax professional, so you can be given the best advice so you can make the wisest decisions at this time. Well, thank you so much for your time and your insight today, Kathy. Thank you for having me, Barry. You're welcome. And thanks to all of you, our listeners. And please stay tuned for the next episode of Shifting Sands coming soon. Shifting Sands is brought to you by Horn Healthcare. For over 60 years and with more than 70 dedicated accounting and advisory professionals, Horn Healthcare is a decidedly different firm. Find us online at hornllp.com.